welcome to another inspirational message from Brave Church UK. Okay, well it's good to be here this morning, isn't it, on this wet, windy, wild morning. I'm glad to be inside, that's for sure. Um, I've had the privilege this week of being part of an amazing team of people that have run the Peekaboo Christmas parties. And for those of you that don't know, Peekaboo is our parent and toddler group that we run twice a week. And Christmas parties are a lot of fun. So I, you know, I love it. I love seeing the kids coming in all dressed up in the little Christmas outfits. I love watching the faces as we pass the parcel around and it stops at them. I love it when they get to queue up for snack time and they're faced with loads of sandwiches, a huge amount of crisps, lots of cakes and the occasional bit of fruit. And um, I love it as well when they see Father Christmas, who has worked phenomenally hard this week, entering the room. Their little faces light up and they absolutely love it. I think for me, one of my favourite bits is when we play the, uh, the song Let It Go from Frozen. And we have a snow machine filled with fake foam snow and we spray that at them, at the families. And just watching their faces is amazing. They love it. And it's such a delight. It's such a joy to be a part of. And for many of the families that come, that's what the magic of Christmas is all about. It's the fun, it's the food, it's Father Christmas. But for many of us here this morning, we know that Christmas has a whole other level to it. And, you know, we're so blessed, aren't we, to know that the magic of Christmas isn't about reindeer flying in the sky. It's not about the fact that Father Christmas can deliver billions of presents all in one night, which is pretty impressive. But, you know, the magic of Christmas for us is the mystery of how God works in our lives, of how the Holy Spirit moves and he changes us. He transforms us. He breaks mindsets. He changes attitudes and habits and lifestyles. It's about how the, we are lavishly shown God's grace and mercy, his forgiveness, reconciliation, and so much more into our worlds. The wonder and the miracle is about a relationship with our creator, one-on-one. It's the reality that God came down to earth in human form, born to a young unmarried girl, born in a stable because there was no room anywhere else for him. It's the reality that that baby grew into a man who then grew up and went on to face the most horrific death ever invented. And he did that blameless. Why? because he loves us. He did that to take the blame for every single one of us for all the wrong things we've ever done. But the amazing thing is that the story didn't end there because Jesus died, but three days later he rose again and he's alive now and through the power of the Holy Spirit, he's making a difference constantly in our lives, changing us, transforming us, moving us to become the people that he intended us to be. You know, this morning the miracle is in knowing that God is alive, that God does answer prayer that God is a God of the impossible. You know, it's the opportunity that we have to serve those who don't yet know Jesus, that the overflow of our lives, of all the goodness that God has put into our worlds, can overflow into the lives who don't yet know Jesus. That's the miracle of Christmas. And so this morning, what we're going to do, we're going to have a look at another Christmas story. Marie started brilliantly last week looking at the the wise men. And we're going to look at the story of when the angel visits Mary. And just have a look at what that conversation that the angel and Mary had can mean to us in our lives today. So if you've got your Bibles, it's in Luke 1, or I think it's going to come up on the screen as well. Luke 1, starting at verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. 
you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary said. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. So we're just going to go through this story and look at what that means for us today. The first thing that the angel says to Mary, as she's going about what she probably thought was just an ordinary day, the angel says, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words. And I'm not really surprised she was troubled. I think I would be slightly disturbed as well if an angel suddenly appeared in my ordinary daily life. But actually it says that she was troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. She's not troubled by who he is. She's not seemingly phased by the fact that there's an angel standing before her, but it's what he said that's bothering her. He called her highly favored and he told her that the Lord was with her. And you know, I don't think she's the only person who would have found that kind of greeting a bit unsettling. When people encourage you, when people affirm you, what do you do? How do you feel? For many of us, we find it very awkward or we even question the motive behind why they're saying what they're saying. What is it they're after? Do you know, we live in a world where our identity is found and formed in many different ways. For some, who you are is based on what you do. You're a parent, you're a child, you're a friend, you're a neighbor, you're a husband, you're a wife. Our identity might be rooted and found in what other people think about us or what we think other people think about us. Maybe it's based on how people have treated us in the past. Maybe it's founded on what social media plays back to us, how many comments and likes and followers we've got. Our identity can be so wrapped up in what everybody else thinks or tells us that we totally miss the truth of who we are. But the Bible tells us very clearly that if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. When you give your life to Christ, you're not the same person anymore. The old has gone, you're a new person with a new identity. That's why as Christ followers, baptism is so key to us. Because when we go through baptism, it's a physical act of what God is doing spiritually. As we go under the water, we are dying to the old self. And when we come back up, we are being raised to life in Christ. We are a new creation. And that is such a powerful weapon. Because when the old habits and the old thoughts and the old attitudes come and visit us, you can say, do you know what? I'm not that person anymore. That person died when they went through the waters of baptism. I am a new creation. This is who I am now. Your identity is key. Knowing who you are matters because it gives you strength and it gives you confidence. If someone asks you who you are, I wonder what you would say. Maybe you'd give a job description. Maybe you'd say, oh, I'm retired or I don't work due to ill health. It's very often attached to what we do. But is that really who you are? I watched a film last week called Overcomer. And part of the storyline is about a young girl called Hannah. She's lost her parents. She's been raised by a grandma. And she's struggling to find out who she is. She doesn't really know where she fits into the world. We're just going to watch a short clip. And then I'll pick up from there. 
Anna, are you okay? Ask me who I am. Ask me who I am. Who is Anna Scott? I am created by God. He designed me. So I'm not a mistake. His son died for me. Just so I could be forgiven. He picked me to be his own. So I'm chosen. He redeemed me. So I am wanted. He showed me grace. And be saved. He has a future for me. Because he loves me. I don't wonder anymore, Coach Harrison. I am a child of God. I just wanted you to know. That's awesome. Do you know all those truths that she was declaring there are found in the book of Ephesians? That's biblical truth right there, that you are not a mistake. You were created by God. You are forgiven. You are chosen. You are wanted. You are saved. You are loved. You are a child of God. That's the truth of who you are. And the Bible is packed full of truths like that. And I want to encourage you to get hold of those words. Don't just read them as, oh, that's really nice. No, that's truth to speak over your life, to form and forge your identity so you know who you are. And it's so important, guys, that we get this, not just for us, but for the sake of a world that doesn't know those truths. They need to know who they are. As parents, we need to get this so our children know who they are. We are children of God, and that is so important that we know that. Moving on in the story, the angel says to Mary, do not be afraid. I don't know if anybody's been watching, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. That time of year where we get to watch lots of almost famous people facing their fears on live TV. And they get to go in, you know, tanks with spiders and cockroaches, and it's pretty gross. But I wonder, what are you afraid of? You know, maybe it's spiders. Seeing some of them as spiders from Australia makes me not want to ever go to Australia. Maybe it's the dark, small spaces, the unknown roller coasters. There's all sorts of different fears that can grip us. But do you know, I think many of us also carry fears that we didn't speak out because we think maybe they're too silly or maybe they just feel a little bit too real. Fear of being on your own, fear of getting ill and nobody's there to help, fear of dying, fear of getting it wrong, a fear of others being ill and not being able to help them. A fear of being out of control of life circumstances. Fear of not being useful anymore. Fear of not being able to do what you've always done. Fear of not being good enough. Fear of disappointing others. Fear of making an unforgivable mistake. Fear of not having enough money. Fear of change. Fear of not being approved of. Fear of failing. There are so many fears that can grip us and paralyze us and rob us of life. But as the angel said to Mary, so I believe God says to you this morning, do not be afraid. How do we move from a place of fear to a place of confidence, to a place of peace, to a place of trust? 
Well, what are you putting into yourself and into your thoughts? Because the Bible tells us, as a man thinks, so he is. If you're dwelling on your fears, those thoughts are going to grow and they're going to consume you. It says in Philippians 4, verse 8, fix your thoughts on what is good and true and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and dwell on the fine good things in others. Think about all you can praise God for and be glad about. We need to learn to train our thoughts to take us to a right place. Because as we do that, we're going to root and, and anchor ourselves in truth. And we do that by reading God's word regularly. For some of you, every day, you're living with a constant fear of bad news. Today's the day you're going to get that piece of bad news. You're going to get the phone call about someone you love being sick. Or you're going to get that redundancy phone call. Or the financial change that means that you don't have enough. Whatever it might be, it's almost like your life is on pause as you wait for this bad report to enter your world. But Psalm 112 verse 7 says this, They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. As we learn to trust God every day and learn to walk with him and learn to talk to him and learn to read his word just a little bit every single day, your heart will become stronger and you will become protected and guarded by him. You will become secure in the truth of God's word. We put our Christmas tree up last weekend, finally. Ethan was very grateful. He's been pestering us since the 1st of November. And um, we put it up. It went up at tea time. And by church the next morning, I think it had fallen down three times. So in the end, Nigel got a hammer. And he secured the tree to the base. And that tree is not going anywhere ever again. It is solid in that base. But you know, the Bible tells us that God's word is like a hammer. And I think for some of us, we need to get hold of the truth of God's word this morning and be as ruthless as Nigel was with that Christmas tree. And we need to be banging God's word into our lives. We need to be forcing it in and saying, come on, this is the truth of what I need to be building my life on. This is what I need to be standing on so that then whatever news comes into your world, good or bad, your life is not going to be ticked upside down. You're not going to become an emotional wreck. You're not going to be carrying guilt or resentment or anger towards people because your heart will be guarded and protected and in check. And we do that as we keep in step with God's Holy Spirit and as we read God's word every day. A psychological study has been done on USA soldiers who served in World War II and the Vietnam War and the different futures that they had ahead of them. Two different groups of people, and yet both were involved in war. They both saw horrific, awful things, but both groups had very different futures. So what was the difference? Well, for the World War II soldiers on their return home, the next decade, the country saw increase and flourished. For the Vietnam soldiers, theirs was a future that saw an increase in PTSD, stress, anxiety, drug use, and suicide and depression. What was the difference? Those who fought in Vietnam when the war was over, within two to three days, they were on an aeroplane and found themselves back home in their living room, faced with normal life again. Compare that with those who fought in World War II. There weren't the aeroplanes to get them home, so they travelled home by ship. That took between two to three months at sea before they got home to their living rooms and normal life. What do you do at sea for two to three months? You cry, you grieve, you mourn, you talk, you process, you sit with other people who've gone through what you've gone through and you work it out, you talk it out, you process it out loud. You have time to cry before you get home. 
so that by the time you do get home, you've worked things out, you've had that space and that time, and that is what gave them a bright future. For the, the guys getting home from Vietnam, within 48 hours, they were surrounded by people who had no idea of the trauma and the horrific things that they had to see and deal with. The result was restlessness. There was no peace or calm in their worlds as they continued to carry on and for many very unsuccessfully process what they'd just seen and heard. I wonder when was the last time that you took time to process what's going on in your world? When you took time to stop and think and talk about what's actually happening. That can be a terrifying thought. <laughs> to have to actually stop and think and deal with our thoughts and emotions. And that's very often why we keep busy. But that's why we're restless. That's why we're struggling to find a peace and a calm in our worlds. From the moment we wake up, we are bombarded by negative news. We re reach for our phones and we start scrolling through and there's news feeds and there's all sorts of different things coming into our world about what's happening in and around and across the world and in other people's worlds. We're constantly receiving those updates until we close our eyes again at night. Do you know, we're not designed to carry that kind of onslaught of news. We're not designed to carry those comparisons and to carry other people's concerns and fears that add to our own that we've already got. That's why there's so much stress, so much fear, so much worry in our lives. And it shows itself as eating disorders, as sleep deprivation, as addictive habits. That's an overspill of the stuff that we're trying to deal with, and it's our bodies and minds way of trying to handle it. Maybe the miracle for Christmas this year for you could be that you take time to pause, that you find the courage to begin to process and deal with some of the stuff and that you discover a new rhythm and a new peace to your life. How do we do that? Isaiah 9 verse 6 says this, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and these will be his royal titles. Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I had a few months of counselling last year, where once a week I would just go over and spend an hour talking to someone who was trained in the art of getting stuff out of you and helping you to understand why things happen and, and helping you understand your thoughts. And it was really helpful, it was really good. And I do believe counselling can be very helpful and very beneficial. But what I also know is that Jesus is my ultimate counsellor. I can go to him at any time of day and anywhere I am. He's the one I can talk to. He has the one who has the wisdom to instruct and guide and, and help me and teach me how to handle people and te teach me how to handle life circumstances. When I speak to him, I don't come away feeling rubbish. I don't come away feeling awkward or embarrassed like I've said too much and I shouldn't have told him that. I don't feel ashamed because of what's happened in my life. He's not only my counsellor, but he's also the Prince of Peace. And as we start to talk to him, his peace comes in and it guards our hearts and it guards our minds and it floods us with that peace that we need to sustain us and to help us to get through life. I want to encourage you to take time to talk to your wonderful counsellor, to allow him to bring some wisdom, some peace into your world. I encourage your sissies and me included to create some time and space to talk through with God your disappointments your failures, unmet expectations, pause, so that as you journey into 2020, you can do so with strength, with wisdom, with courage, with peace, with dignity, knowing that you're no longer driven by fear, but actually you've got a future that's worth getting up for. As we move on in the story, the angel tells Mary what's going to happen. She's going to give birth to a baby and who will become, and then Mary asks the how question. 
And the angel talks to her and she concludes by saying, for nothing is impossible with God. I love that. Nothing is impossible with God. But I wonder if you believe that to be true. I wonder if you believe that God really does care about you and God really does answer your prayers. I want to tell you a story that I hope will boost your faith and encourage you that God is a God who not only hears, but who also answers your prayers. About a month ago, we were woken around 11.30 at night with Reuben shouting, Dad! So as a good wife, I allowed Nigel to get up and respond to that call. That felt appropriate. That's who Reuben wanted. I didn't want to get in the way. A few seconds before the call, I'd heard a bit of a splash on the bathroom floor. So when Nigel went in, he was faced with seeing the contents of Reuben's stomach splattered all over the bathroom floor as he'd been sick. So we spent the next half hour or so cleaning it up. As a good wife, I got up and helped that part. Sorting Reuben out and also discussing what we were going to do the next morning. Nigel was due to do an assembly at his school and I was also booked in for two assemblies. So it was a question of how do we work that out? What do we do? We worked a plan that Nigel could go to his assembly and then see if he was able to come home. I could cancel my first assembly and do the second assembly. So at seven o'clock, Nigel rang school and after talking it through with him, they said, you know what? Stay at home, we'll cover the assembly, it's fine. All sorted, problem solved. But let's just backtrack a few hours to tea time. We'd finished tea, we sat around the table, we were ready to pray. One of the items for prayer was this assembly that Nigel was gonna be doing the next morning for the year nines in his school. It was about freedom. And Nigel was gonna be doing an escape trick where he gets chained up, put into a sack, he rolls around on stage for a few minutes and then he escapes, ta-da! And it's a great trick, unless you happen to be the 13-year-old son of the person who's rolling around on stage, then it's just embarrassing. So, while the rest of us were praying that the assembly would go really well, Ethan was praying that it would be cancelled. <laughs> so, at seven o'clock the next morning, you can imagine how Ethan's faith in God answering prayers was really boosted as Nigel informed him that he was not going to be doing the assembly that morning in his school. And the amazing thing was that Reuben was absolutely fine. There you go. So, if God hears and answers a prayer of a 13-year-old boy who doesn't want to be embarrassed in front of his friends, do you not think that maybe God would answer your prayers as well? God is a God who answers prayers. The question is, are you praying them? Are you bringing yourself and your family and the needs of those around you before him, knowing that not only does he hear, but that he can and he will answer he does get involved, he does bring change, he does bring breakthrough. It doesn't always look like we think it should. I didn't envisage sick being a part of Ethan's prayer, but do you know what? God answers our prayers. God turns up in ways that we don't always expect. God is a God of the impossible. The Bible is full of stories of impossible things becoming possible. The lame walking, the blind seeing, the deaf hearing, lions' mouths being closed. You know, men being thrown into a burning furnace and not being burnt up. The dead being raised to life. But more than that, this room is full of people who know that God is a God of the impossible because you've seen it in your own lives. We have people in here who've been set free from addiction. We have families that have been restored, relationships that have seen reconciliation. We have healings that have happened, miracles that have taken place. And then there's other ways, more subtle ways that God's worked that we could even miss recognizing that it was God. You know, the way that your finances have lasted to the end of the month, when on paper they shouldn't have done, and you tithed as well. That's God doing the impossible. You know, your language has changed from constantly swearing to God honoring, and you didn't even pray about it. Your temper's calmed when you're provoked, even by those that know how to tick you over the edge. 
What about peace in the midst of chaos and crisis? You are a walking testimony of the fact that God is a God of the impossible. And I want to encourage you to stop and think about that and celebrate and recognize that we serve an amazing God. He is incredible. Start to build your faith and remind yourself just how incredible God is. But what if you feel like you're in an impossible situation? What if it feels hopeless, like I've tried everything and nothing's changing? Maybe it's your health, maybe it's finances, maybe it's relationships that are broken. Maybe, you know, it's just a thought that things are always going to be this way. I can't see a way out, I can't see a way through. Nothing is ever going to change. This is it, what do I do? This is what you do. You get down on your knees and you surrender. That was the way through. To surrender it all to God. God is a God of the impossible. God is a God of the breakthrough. Where you think there is no way, he will make a way. Because he is faithful to his promises. I want to encourage you this morning to stand firm on the truth of God's word. Get those promises back in your life. Get those truths established as a foundation. Remind yourself again, God is able. Nothing, let me reiterate that word, nothing is impossible with God. We need to remember that. We need to do this. We need to get down on our knees, guys. Do whatever it takes. Your situation isn't permanent. It's a season. It says in Hebrews 6 that hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Secure your heart. Secure your soul by allowing hope in God to be your anchor. You know, often we end up carrying unmet expectations and disappointments and frustrations because we put our hope in people and in circumstances that they'll change. But here's the thing. We all make mistakes. We all get it wrong. We all let people down and we all fail. None of us are perfect. That's why we need to put our hope in a God who we can trust and who never changes. Lamentations 3, 19 to 24 says this. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. Maybe it seems too hard to believe that things can change. All you can see is the disappointments and the failures. Yet this I call to mind. Therefore, I have hope. Start to remember God. Start to remember who he is and what he's done. His goodness, his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness. You're still here. That's a miracle. That's God's faithfulness. Start to do some self-talk. I say to myself, tell yourself again, the Lord is my portion. God is good. God is faithful. God is true. Remind yourself of who he is and do it on a daily basis. You know, Jesus told us it takes faith as small as a mustard seed to move mountains. Your faith might feel tiny this morning. Your hope might seem so small and insignificant, but you've got it and it's a start. And start to grow it, plant it in the seed of, in, you know, in God's word, that tiny seed of, of disappointment, plant it back into God's word and allow hope to grow. Allow faith to rise within you again this morning. 
what's the impossible you're facing? What's the breakthrough you need? What's the miracle? Because it's time this morning to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, to move from dwelling on the fact that you think it's hopeless to remember that God is a God who is able to do immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. This season is just a season. This doesn't need to be your life. This will change. But you need to trust, trust in God's word. Dig deep into the truth of his word this morning. One step at a time. Keep surrendering to him. The final thing we read is that Mary says in verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. I love Mary's heart. She must have felt so overwhelmed at the prospect of what she's just been told. But her response, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. I wonder for many of us if we're so busy that we're missing the point. We're not, we're not called to fill our lives being busy. We're called to serve. We're called to serve God. We're called to serve others. We're called to serve a broken world full of lost and lonely people. How can we do that if we're so busy that we don't have time? I wonder if we were to lay our lives before God and lay before God everything we did in a week, how much of it God would actually say he's asked us to do. You know, for some of us this season, maybe the miracle is just to press pause and ask God, what should I be doing? Allow him to realign your life with his plans and purposes. We can be so busy, so driven, so tired that we lose our willingness. We don't want to be available anymore. We don't want to help. We don't want to serve. Don't ask me. You know, I, want to, I don't want to get involved. I want to encourage you this morning to do two things. Number one, take it all back to God. Allow him to redefine what your week should look like. One that's not driven by guilt or others' approval or feeling like you need to stay busy. But secondly, pray like David did in Psalm 51, that God would create in you a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit within you. That he would restore to you the joy of his salvation and grant you a willing spirit to sustain you. You know, Jesus came to give us life and life to the full. And for some of you, you're so worn out. You've lost your joy. You've lost your life. You've lost your willingness. Today is about rediscovering that. But asking God to grant you that willing spirit again to sustain you. A willing spirit gets you through. It keeps you available. It keeps you flexible. And it allows God to do so much in and through you. Be willing this morning to journey as God guides you. Do you trust him? You know, I imagine for Mary that that was a huge change to her life plans, not quite what she was thinking was going to happen. She trusted God. And when you know that God loves you, and when you know that God has your best interest at heart, you can serve him with a real confidence. Are you prepared this morning to give him everything? Your hopes, your dreams, your relationships, your future, in order that you can let God birth in you the miracles that he intends for you to be a part of. Mary's willingness brought about an eternal change for mankind. And as we surrender our lives this morning for God, who knows what difference you can make for eternity in the lives of those around you. That's the end of this week's podcast. We hope that it inspired you. For any more information, visit bravechurch.co.uk.